I've never seen a picture of DM. I don't know if she looks like me or Scotty. Are her eyes blue or brown? Is her smile honest like her father's? Does she laugh like me? Is she happy? That's my only hope for her. I want her to be happy. I have complete faith in Grace and Patrick. I know they loved Scotty, and it's obvious they loved DM. They loved her before she was even born. They started fighting for custody the day they were told I was pregnant. The baby didn't even have fully developed lungs, but they were already fighting for its first breath. I lost the custody battle before DM was even born. There aren't many rights a mother has when she's sentenced to several years in prison. Welcome to Bibliophiles at Home, a book club podcast for introverts. I'm Camilla. And I'm Jennifer. Each episode, we will break down a book using current bestseller lists, Goodreads recommendations, and of course, book talk. At the end of each episode, we will announce our next book so you can read along with us. So grab your favorite beverage, get comfy cozy, and join us as we embark on this reading journey from the comfort of home. Welcome back to another episode of Bibliophiles at Home. How are you, Jen? I'm good. It's uh, it's an early morning. We're recording really early this morning, but we've got our coffee. We've got, got our Danish. We do. We're we have here. some Trader Joe's Danish, which is delicious. We're, we're having little baby bites between takes. <laughs> yep. And uh, before we get started today, we did want to take a quick opportunity just to thank all of our listeners. Uh, it's really exciting doing this podcast, and it's a fairly new endeavor for both Jen and I. And we appreciate everyone's patience. I know the, we're kind of still working out some of the kinks as far as sound, and we have pretty much almost recorded in every room of my house so far as yep. we figure out which has the best just podcast energy, right? Right, yeah, <laughs> just trying to figure out which uh, which room is best suited for uh, for the reverb or I guess maybe like the acoustics. The acoustics in here are amazing. Do you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? No, okay. sorry. Well, you should because you, <laughs> okay. you like The Office, so you would like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Gina Linetti for any of my Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans. But um, yeah, we're really excited. We're in my library today, which feels very fitting. Mm-hmm. We have some mood lighting going on yes. in here. Uh, we're looking at all the books that we may either have read or may read in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just looking at your shelves there. Uh- taking taking notes yeah there's some good ones on there my husband built me i will post it on on the instagram at some point oh yeah since we think this might end up being our permanent fixtures recording in here but we do appreciate everyone's patience we do have a couple of five-star reviews that mean a lot to us yeah. um, especially as we're working out these kinks so thank you so much for joining us and listening to us and we're gonna deep dive reminders of him by calling hoover yeah, sounds good All right. So before we do our deep dive, Jen, why don't you give us our author's bio? Yeah. So I, um, when I was doing research for this author's bio, I pulled from both her website as well as Wikipedia. And um, it seemed like unless she has more than one website that I couldn't find, um, there, this information on her website seemed like it hadn't been updated for a while because it said something about It Ends With Us being her most recent novel, which is not correct. Um, but I did get some good information from there. So that that said, it's from both sources. 
Um, so Colleen Hoover is the number one New York Times bestselling author of 24 novels and novellas. So that number 24 was from her site. So it, she may be the author of more now at this point. Not sure. Um, her novels fall into the uh, new adult and young adult contemporary romance categories, as well as psychological th- thriller, which mm. you and I both know from uh, having read Verity. Um, she's published by Atria Books, Grand Central Publishing, Montlake Romance, and HarperCollins Publishers. Um, she was born on December 11th, 1979. So she is just about the same age as me. We're only like a year and a half apart in age. Um, her parents were Vinoy Fite and Eddie Fennell. She grew up in Saltillo, Texas. Um, I think that's how you say it. It's got the double L there. Could be Saltillo. I don't know. Um, she graduated high school in 1998. Uh, she got married pretty young. Her husband's name is Heath Hoover. They got married in 2000 and they have three sons together. Um, sort of like we were talking about last week with Barbara Kingsolver, Colleen Hoover did not uh, start out her career as an author. She actually went to school for social work and she worked in that industry as well as uh, had some teaching jobs before she started working as an author. Wow. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting was um, when she wrote her first novel, which is entitled Slammed, and that was back in November 2011, she had no intention of trying to get it published. She didn't seek out any publishers. Um, she just had it self-published um, in January of 2012. So she started writing in November 2011, finished two months later, self-published, and then the next month published the sequel to that had them self-published so that her mother could read them on her new Kindle. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, and then it was after a blogger reviewed her book that she sort of skyrocketed into the spotlight and was able to um, start writing full-time based That's on awesome. the sales from that. Um, and so then it's worth noting that, you know, her best-known work is It Ends With Us, which mm. was published in 2016. That's the first book of hers that I ever read. Um, and I will say... I did not realize when I started reading that book that it was about domestic violence. I just thought it was a romance. So because it was so popular, I thought this will be a great first Colleen Hoover book to read. Um, I think because I didn't know about the domestic violence aspect before going in, it maybe colored my um, my take on it a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I did find it to be a good book. Mm. I, I in, the, in that, you know, it was... I... I I, I got some benefit from it. Right. Let's say that. Right. Um, and I know that she wrote it based on her own experience as uh, a child um, growing up in a home with domestic violence. Which it's, I mean, that's a tough topic to cover. I'm glad that those stories are told. I think if you handle it with enough nuance and respect for survivors of abuse, then right. it's a story worth telling for sure. Yeah. It was my understanding, especially from reading the acknowledgements after the story was that she really kind of wrote it as an homage to her mother because her mother, um, you know, had the, had the ability to leave, you know, she, she found that strength within herself to leave the abusive situation and to provide um, a good environment for her children, do the best for her kids. Right, um, right. I actually, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that you read the acknowledgements for that book. Did you read them for this book? I did. Okay, because I'm so glad it, it, that I was going to bring this up and it came, it just came up naturally. But I was going to ask, particularly if you read those in general, I know some people do, some people don't. Mm-hmm. I don't always, but I actually read the the acknowledgements for 
reminders of him and it gave me good information about like the town which i never mm-hmm. realized i remember but, thinking about that we'll talk about it in the deep dive yeah. but yeah i remember thinking where is this happening has she said where this is happening yeah 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 that's so funny okay and yeah i mean she's had a pretty interesting life you know from what i can see she's pretty active on tiktok i do see some mm-hmm. posts kind of circle through some of the book pages on facebook where she'll go to walmart and just start signing some of her oh, books cool. so that fans that just go in and pick up her book may unknowingly get a signed copy which i think is really cool mm-hmm. and it looks like in her acknowledgement she refers to some of her fans as cohorts did yeah, you see I th- that? Yeah, I think that's yeah. <laughs> I think that's what she calls her her fandom is the the cohorts. That's a funny. Yeah, well, that's funny. I think it's cool though that she seems pretty engaged with her fan base because I'm sure. I mean, she's right. She's pushing out a lot of books. I mean, 24 yeah. books in 10 years. That's a lot. You know, 12 years since she started. That's a yeah good amount, and they're fairly popular. Yeah, I mean, so as I said, it ends with us is the one that has um sort of done the most in terms of sales and popularity. Um. So it did reach number one on the New York Times bestseller list. And um, as of the time that I did this research, it has so far sold over 2 million copies and been translated into over 20 languages. Good for her. Um, So in 2022, she published two books, Reminders of Him, which is the one Mm. we're reviewing. And that was at the beginning of the year. And then in October of 2022, she published it. It starts with us, which is the sequel to it ends with us. Right. Um, So reminders of him did very well. It so far as of December of last year had sold 1.1 million copies. Wow. Um, So my understanding of it starts with us because I also read that as soon as I finished it ends with us. I read it starts with us. And this is one of those books. I put it on hold at the library and it was going to be like 20 something weeks. And my husband was like, just just buy it, you know, mm. just buy it. We so love I, a supportive husband. So I did. Reading. Yeah. I mean, not that I had to ask his permission, but he was like, why are you torturing yourself? Just just buy it. And read right. It. Um, I will say I was not as impressed with that one. I without giving any spoilers, because I don't think you've read either. I've right? not. And I'm I don't not. know if our listeners have. So um, I think the reason she wrote it was because the readers of It Ends With Us wanted to see more development of a specific relationship. Um, And so I think she sort of wrote it. It's, 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 there's no other way for me to describe it as like a sappy, idealistic novel where everything is just perfect and happy. And I think there are some readers who wanted that, but I did read one review of it that really summed up for me what I felt about it, which was, this is the book that nobody asked for and nobody wanted. (laughs) And I don't say that to be like harsh or like, you know, um, sort of, I'm not trying to pick on her. I just feel like I thought the way it ends with us ended was fine. Like mm. it, I didn't need you didn't more. need more closure. Yeah, because yeah, I could imagine that everything that happened and it starts with us was what was going to happen. Right, anyway. right. So there wasn't any like conflict to overcome in the sequel. Not, not really. It seemed a little bit invented so that there was something, but I felt like. It, it wasn't really necessary. Interesting. So. Oh. Now, is this the one that they're doing with Blake Lively as the... Yeah, that's it okay. ends with us. Yeah, so oh, okay, actually, okay. so her one of her earlier novels, uh, Confess, has already been filmed as a series by Awestruck and is available on Prime Video via Amazon and iTunes. Mm. Um, and that's, I'm not familiar with that book, so I don't know the plot, but that stars Katie LeClerc and Ryan Cooper. And then filming of the movie adaptation of It Ends With Us began just last month in May of 2023. And that is going to star Blake Lively, 
Justin Baldoni, Brandon Skendler, and Jenny Slate. Oh, I um, love Jenny Slate. Yeah, yeah. so she's going to be um, the uh, the sister oh, of, gotcha. of uh, Justin Baldoni's character. And then Brandon Skendler is playing the character of Atlas, which everybody... Like when I look at, you know, book talk and social media, everybody is like, who's going to play Atlas? Who's going to play Atlas? And this guy is a breakout star from 1923. The um, the show with Harrison Ford that's sort of like a continuation of Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. OK, OK. So interesting. I've seen a lot of fans complaining about what they've seen of that movie so far but i'm hoping it comes together like sometimes it can be so hard to tell like what yeah. the you know quality is going to be but everyone's like really coming down harsh on like blake lively's character like she kind of yeah. looks a little well, from like frumpy but maybe that has something to do with her i haven't read the book so i i don't have any yeah you know reference point i wouldn't say <laughs> i remember anything about the character being frumpy but i will say Blake Lively is about 10 years older than Lily is supposed to be in the book. Blake Lively does have a very young look about her, though. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting. It's an interesting choice to me that they would choose someone that age. Interesting. Lily's supposed to be in her 20s. I so. mean, she's gorgeous, though. Oh, yeah, she's she drop is. dead. Yeah. I, I'm, I'll probably watch it. I don't know if I'm going to read it. We'll kind of go back to that, like how we feel about, you know, yeah. this is only my second Colleen Hoover book. Uh, but I actually was quite pleased, actually, which I'm excited about because I didn't feel that great after reading Verity. Yeah. And I always, you know, I think giving an author more than one chance is worth it in some instances. And I think this was one of those. Um, why don't I give us our synopsis, if that's okay? Yeah, sure. All right. So in our novel... We have our main protagonist, who's Kenna Rowan. Uh, after serving a five-year prison sentence for the death of her boyfriend, Kenna returns to a small town with only one goal in mind, to be re- reunited with her long-lost daughter. And her name is Diem? 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 It's, it's Diem, I think, because it's from the Latin saying carpe diem. Yes. So I'm Seize assuming it's Diem. Yeah. yeah. Another name that... I just could have, you know, I think an Ashley or Brittany would have been okay, but yeah. I, I like the sentiment behind it. Um, so Kenna has never had the opportunity to even hold DM when she gets back to town, yet she loves her unconditionally. DM is, after all, the only thing that she has left that is part of Scotty. So Scotty has died, right. is what we know is the, yep. main, the main gist of it. And Scotty's family, including his childhood friend, another unique name, and that of Chuck Ledger. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, that's off the cuff. Uh, so they basically want nothing to do with Kenna upon her return. And in an attempt to get her out of town and basically, you know, out of their hair, for lack of better phrasing, Ledger's forced to interact with Kenna. And as he gets to know her, he begins to realize that things may not be what they seem. And so our main kind of question going into this book is, will Kenna be able to reconcile the truth of what occurred the night that Scotty tragically died with the preconceived notions of a town that has already villainized her? Mm -hmm. Dun, dun, dun. So we have our main conflict. And uh, before we get into our deep dive, I think it's important to kind of call out any trigger warnings or things that we think, you know, we we would want to know going into a book, right? And uh, surprisingly, I I felt like this book was... uh, it didn't have too many dark, deep, yeah. twisty things, which yeah. is good. Um, I think a death by um, car accident was a big one. A little bit of potential alcoholism. Yeah. And there was a little bit of spice in this book. Uh, yes. So I think that that's important to know. Some people do not want their books with a hint of spice. And I think that's right. fair. And I, I think I'm probably in that 
camp for the most part. I think yeah. that's another conversation I can, for another I can day. Make do with a, yeah, I can make do with a fade to black scene. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's okay. I I still think I think it was well done in this book, considering um, like having read. You know, I I only could compare it to Verity, so I hate to, yeah. to have to go back to yeah. that. But I was like not feeling that book at all, so I was like, oh, <clears throat> what am I going to get into with this one? But I think you know. You know, let's just get into it and then we can kind Sounds of good. work through it together. But, um, you know, we kind of did we start this book in the middle of the action, would you say? I wouldn't necessarily say it starts in the middle of things. Um, you know, it, where it starts is she's pulling a memorial cross that has been left at the site of the car accident out of the ground because she knows Scotty's mother has left it there, but she knows Scotty didn't like that sort of thing. So she's pulling it out sort of in defiance, but we're immediately kind of given some background through her recollection. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't necessarily call this in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. But I do feel that that's a bold move considering Mm -hmm. you're coming over trying to chum up to your lost love's parents. Like obviously you knew that Scotty didn't probably want that memorialized, but you know his parents did it and why would you go and take it out and then try to like go sm- you know right yeah that was I was interesting. so confused about that and I felt like I mean that kind of said a little bit about her character the one thing that I kind of felt throughout the book is that she was really painted as this like you know misunderstood you know lovely person right but mm-hmm. I also felt like because she's on this like redemption story they kind it kind of was almost like she was at first made to be this like super villain, but then it went to almost her being viewed as someone with absolutely no flaws. And I kind of wish that she was, it kind of lost a little bit of that realism for me. Hmm. And that, you know, as she starts to develop relationships with characters, like and particularly her love interest, he sees her with like starstruck eyes and then she loses all flaw. Yeah. I felt like it didn't go from like a person that was highly misunderstood to like a real person that still has flaws and still made errors. Like she's almost like put into, onto this pedestal was how I interpreted yeah. it. I don't know. I mean, I can kind of see that. I think she for sure still felt like she had problems, you know, or that or that what happened to Scotty was her fault in that she made some irresponsible choices Mm -hmm. right i i think i i see what you're saying and i do think that the way that the book ended was probably overly idealistic Mm -hmm. um but i think from ledger's perspective i think i could kind of see how he did that complete 180 I think because the person that he thought she was turned out not to be at all who she was, he kind of overcompensated Yeah. in terms of the way he viewed her. Um, not to say that he f- felt like she was perfect. I don't know. I didn't quite get that, but that's yeah. okay. We're two different people. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, I guess that's that probably would have been better saved for the end. <laughs> so okay. maybe let's work our way backwards. But I think, I mean, I didn't feel like this book was super plot heavy, right? For me, at least. Like, it, there wasn't many, like, main events that took place. Like, it kind of was yeah. just, like, regular life and yeah, days it was, blended in. And, yeah, and it, it was a relatively short period of time, too, which we can talk about, I think, as we talk about the development of Kenna and Ledger's relationship. Um but, you know, ultimately she arrives in this town. We know that she had been in Colorado at mm-hmm. some point. Um, and we know that Ledger played football for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
we've got the Colorado themes, but they're not in Colorado now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, one of the things you were saying that Colleen Hoover put in the acknowledgments was that she purposely did not specify the location. Yeah. Because this could be any, any small any, town, any small town yep. anybody's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, Kenna has, she's been in prison because of being found. She, well, she pled guilty. So yeah. she was on trial for, you know, involuntary manslaughter. Mm-hmm. And, and rather than stand trial, she pled guilty. Um, and this is of her boyfriend, Scotty, right. the father of her long father lost her child. child, which she did not know she was pregnant at the time. She right. found out later. She yeah. found out after her sentence. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, she gets to the small town. She's, mm. her She's been released early, right? Because it was like, we seven, find out later it was a seven year sentence, yeah. but it's been five years because yeah. the baby's four now. Yeah. Yep. So she was able to get out early. I assume probably like good behavior (laughs) and she goes back to this small town and upon getting there she gets like this kind of rundown studio yeah apartment rundown apartment she's walking all over town no cell phone but she walks into what we find out to be ledger's bar yeah used to be a bookstore that's why she went there because she and scotty had gone to the bookstore this is scotty's hometown and the reason she's come back here it's not where she grew up the reason she's come back here is because this is where scotty's parents are raising their granddaughter her daughter and she her parental rights have been terminated but she wants to meet her and so she's hoping she spent almost all the money that she was given when she left i think she was in a halfway house yeah like a transitional yeah transitional living living situation spent almost all that money just to get to this place and to get an apartment she's hoping you know that they're going to let her be a part of dm's life right goes to the bookstore because she and scotty used to go there and finds out it's been turned into a bar and uh then our mysterious lady (laughs) she's the mysterious lady in the bar because it's a relatively small town so so I want to ask you about this because never I mean I'm I've married I've been married 19 years I didn't have very many relationships before my husband but never have I ever been in a situation where it was like this love at first sight or you know lust at first sight right where yeah. there's this like instant attraction that you just like can't take your eyes off this person who is this person I have to meet this person I've never had that experience and that's what apparently it was like for for both of them, yeah. for Ledger and Kenna, definitely more so for Ledger, I think. Yeah. But what did you think about that? Like, oh my gosh, I've only just met you and we're going to make out in my truck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like that could probably be semi-realistic. I mean, has it happened to me? No. But I feel like it could happen to someone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and, and so that's okay. What, what, what we, was that a cough of, of denial? Has this actually happened to you, Camilla? And you just don't want to admit it? <laughs> okay. Next move, question. Moving on. So, yeah, what I, what I also found really interesting was that neither one of them know who the other one is at first. Right. Because Ledger doesn't recognize mm-hmm. her. She's never met Ledger, even though Scotty and Ledger were best friends. They only dated something like six months or something. Yeah. And the and one time they were going to meet Ledger, like, had to through. bail or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I definitely felt like their chemistry was good. She was, like, very, like, you know, that wounded animal type of vibes, like, writing in her, you know, her right. letter to Scott or w- her notebook or whatever. And Ledger's just, like, giving her the eyes. And I, yeah. did, I did feel like it kind of did move a little bit quickly from, like, that, you know – I mean, maybe it just showed how lacking in any kind of 
uh, comfort of like the human emotion and touch that she was that it's like he gives her a coffee and it's like make out with me in your in your truck well and that too is that like she didn't know who he was at first but then right before they kiss for the first time he tells her his name and as you mentioned like this is sort of a quirky not common name so she's pretty sure this is the ledger that was her boyfriend's best friend yet she continues this flirtation and then when he offers to give her a ride home she's sure it's him because his truck is very distinct it's orange or something yeah and um she had seen it before because scotty had taken her for their first date in ledger's truck he borrowed his truck um so she knows for sure this is him and she lets the makeout continue yeah and doesn't reveal who she is which i can understand why she doesn't reveal who she is yeah but why let the makeout continue which i can only attribute to like you said she hasn't been shown any affection for five years she's been in prison no intimacy no love you know i feel like I mean, but I also think it was a little dishonest of her to do that. I think that as soon as she realized who it was, she should have just been honest. Yeah, or or just stopped it and not, she didn't have to be honest about who she was, but maybe just been like, no, I gotta go. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Not not the right move for me. But it doesn't end up seem to really affecting her, you know, too much ultimately. Um, And it's not really, I mean, and then obviously they're in a small town, so they're gonna keep running into each other. She's Mm -hmm. trying to get a job at the grocery store. Ledger's there getting you know, Gatorade for T-Ball. For for DMs. So this is where we kind of find out that he's been a huge presence in DMs' entire life. Like, he's definitely stepped in as, I would say, a surrogate father, father, right? And um, we kind of get a dynamic between Grace and Patrick, which they seem like lovely people that really got jaded. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they swallowed a bitter pill, really, like, with how they were very quick to not hear her out. But I guess... When we kind of find out the circumstances of the death and how her actions after the death could have definitely been misunderstood in a very mm-hmm. dark kind of way. Right. Um, but they're all lovely. They have this like little dynamic. Ledger lives right across the street in his childhood home. And yeah, he bought it from his parents because yeah. his parents sold it and are RVing all yeah, over the place. Yeah, they're drifters. Yeah, they're kind of free spirits. Yeah. Um. So they show up every now and then at inopportune times. They actually, we want to say for purposes of later discussion, they were in the bar when Kenna comes in. Yeah, the first night. Yeah. And- she, the mom knows. The mom, we don't know that yet, but the mom um, did recognize Kenna, but she doesn't say anything. And but going back and knowing that she did know her, like when I read that scene, mom kind of gave me the vibe that she was giving the looks over to, like almost encouraging Ledger. Hmm. Like, didn't you get that vibe? It's like mom was like looking at her and then looking at him. Like I, I thought that was an encourage. Like I, she was like, "Ooh, look, a single lady." It, I think at that at that time, that's what I thought. But then when we find out that she recognized her, I think she was trying to see if Ledger recognized her. Oh, she, she gotcha. was like, "Do you know who that is? Do you know who that is?" Yeah, but you know? she she didn't. T- yeah, she, doesn't she didn't want to say yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, DM seems like she's a pretty. In imaginative young little lady. She's four years old. She likes to wear her cowboy boots on the t-ball field. She's kind of like <laughs> doing her own thing. And she yeah. seems like she's not really quite affected by the loss of her mother. You know, she has questions. Like she knows that she's raised by Nana No No. Yeah. Nana No No. Yeah. She's just starting to ask questions about, you know, where do we come from? And mm-hmm. if, if we all come from a mother, where's my mother? Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah. not not questioning it from a... um from a fe- from a point of view that like she's suffering or that she's um feeling like she's abandoned or anything like no, that just no. curiosity 
Right, which I think was – she was a delightful little girl. I did like her character. Like, I mm-hmm. thought it brought a little bit of lightness and makes me excited for my kids to be, or you know, at that age or reminiscing to when they were at that age. So mm-hmm. I thought that it was – she was a cute little kid. And I definitely really liked the relationship that Ledger had with her and the family. Like, you could tell that they had undergone, like, a, such a huge tragedy but still had each other. Yeah. But – um the one thing that I did notice is that they are obviously like it's been five years, but they're still like super grieving this death, like in in yeah to the point where they can't really talk about it without crying, and it's still like, I mean, I've had loss. I, I'm sure you ha- have had loss as well, and I do think that grief is so. It's I mean, it's not a linear, yeah, you know, type of process, and I think it takes time. And there, you know, I lost. I, I mean, I haven't lost a loved one in a romantic sense, or my child. But, you know, having lost my dad almost 20 years ago, like, I don't cry about it super often anymore. I do sometimes. But basically, like, I felt like the vibe that I was getting here is that they're still crying as if they found out it happened yesterday. Like, they're still grieving like not a day has gone by. And it almost feels like time has passed, but it really hasn't, Mm -hmm. like, in their journey, you know? I agree. And I think that part of that is because of – Kenna Mm. and because they because there is this unknown entity of she won't be in prison forever what's Mm going to happen in terms of DM when she gets out but I also think not having spoken to her at all about anything that happened and having seen her at the trial completely non-responsive she refused to talk about anything Um, she pled guilty which we know is because she was so traumatized from what happened she thought scotty was dead at the scene of the accident but Mm -hmm. then she finds out later um she found out later during the trial that he actually was alive Mm -hmm. and that he was probably alive for about six hours after she had left and she didn't necessarily she didn't intentionally leave she was trying to find help she was disoriented yeah she was still kind of drunk and high and she was in shock and um, so so we we have we end up finding out that there was an explanation for her behavior. Mm-hmm. But from Grace and Patrick's perspective, they don't have any explanation. And so it's just a very um, it's been left very open ended and unresolved for them. And so I think that's probably kept them from being able to grieve fully. Right. But don't you feel like if if there's been this like horrible car accident, I feel like her behavior could have been explained if someone was just like she might have had a brain injury sure, or she someone- might have had a um a trauma response like i feel like i'm very surprised that just given the circumstances that she is immediately villainized and i'm wondering if that's just like a small town like they don't really have like the resources to you know look into it methodically yeah. or something well and sh- you know she was raised by a single mother we find out who has basically they they have no relationship mm-hmm. right so she had no one to advocate for her mm-hmm. no one to say this is not normal behavior for kenna something's wrong with her right, right. you know no one was there in right. her corner to yeah. say this is not how this should be she's she's something's wrong right right and it so. seemed like the atter- her like court appointed lawyer or attorney was like really trying to advocate for her but she yeah. was just so she insisted she that she insisted was just like on pleading guilty yeah. and that was not what he 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 i think planned to go the trauma route mm-hmm. and she was like nope yeah i don't want to sit through testimony i'm all done yeah yeah oh my gosh that is devastating and it definitely made me feel um a sense of like relief i mean i worry driving all the time 
because an accident can happen. I mean, everyone's so distracted all the time. There's yep. this element of people being on their phones or just people drive in such a way, like at least you know, we live in Massachusetts and there's a reason that we are called mass holes. And I think that we yeah. can address that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I kind of felt a little bit of a sense of relief that I don't, at least from my perspective, don't have to worry about drinking and driving anymore. I don't drink. I haven't almost three years, haven't had a drink. Mm-hmm. And, but it also makes me realize like it can really happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. Drunk driving accidents are so preventable, but they're so common. Right. That it's like, ah, that I felt, I felt really I felt deeply about that and I felt really bad that, you know, because of course, like, especially as we get to, you know, hear her side of the story, like, which I think is good to kind of segue into like the letters that she writes to Scott, which is a very therapeutic way of her of like kind of keeping that communication. I mean, he's obviously not alive. He's not reading these letters, but in a way it's like a very cathartic thing where she's like writing down everything that she's experienced and, you know, she's kind of confiding in for the lot. I mean, it's like a journal, right? It's, mm-hmm. But um, as we get her perspective on what that, what actually happened that night, I just felt for her so deeply because you think you're just, you're having a normal night and you didn't have that much to drink. You know, you, you had some, but you didn't think that you had that much that you couldn't drive. And then, you, you know, you're driving a little too fast and it's just so, it could happen so quickly that right. um, I was, I was just very sad for her. And I think, I don't know if I did, tear up at that point i never cried during this book but i did wipe away a couple solo tears um throughout and that was definitely a part that really got to me but um you know i think i thought it was interesting reading this book how ledger is just like you know that's like her art his arch nemesis but yet he's so drawn to her that he can't Mm -hmm. even help himself from seeking her out all the time and roman kind of encouraged that which i liked roman's character he was a great side character yeah wish we had gotten a little bit more from you know his i I mean we know a little bit about his story but i wish we had spent more time with him but you know basically from the plot always like it's like i just finished this book two days ago and i'm Mm -hmm. like what happened again yeah but um you know she ends up deciding kenna ends up deciding that she's gonna go just Go to Grace and Patrick. Yeah, and- this is before Ledger realizes who she is. Yeah, so she's so- just she's going to show up at their doorstep and say, "Hey, I'm here. Can I yeah. see DM?" Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah. because he lives across the street, we find out he has like cameras, like security cameras, like pointed at their house. Mm-hmm. He intercepts her. Grace and Patrick are like presumably inside with the doors locked, just kind of peeking yeah. out their blinds. He realizes who she is in that moment. And we should say, so she had been um, introducing herself as Nicole because yeah. that was her middle name. Yep. Because Kenna is also kind of an uncommon name. Yeah. So she didn't call herself Kenna. Um, so he realizes that your name's not Nicole, realizes yeah. who she is, yeah. drags her away, and is very angry, understandably. Yeah. Yeah, um, he feels betrayed yeah. because he's like, did you know when you were smooching yeah. me? Like, <laughs> who I am? Who I am, right? So, yeah. but, at you know, at that point, like, he, he definitely is trying to, like, he's, like, pushing her away, but kind of pulling her in in a weird way, too. Like, yeah. Roman's like, are you, you know, because he ends up, you know, driving her to her apartment. He's like, get out and get out of town. That's not what he said. But, you know, pretty much the vibe was, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want you here. But Roman's like, dude, are you really gonna just let this girl who's just gone through this, like, be well, alone well, yeah. after this like he, come on <laughs> yeah he's sort of the voice of reason right so ledger owns the bar roman works for him and um roman we get the it's it's alluded to that roman and ledger both are sober for whatever mm, reasons mm-hmm. um and uh 
So Roman's the voice of reason when Ledger says, yeah, you know, this is what happened. And uh, so I don't remember if it was after this encounter or if it was after the encounter at the grocery store where um, Grace shows up at the grocery store and Ledger is like, you can't be here. She works here. Oh, that was after. When Roman says, you know, have has it occurred to you that maybe Kenna is um, going to hurt herself? You know, yeah. she's probably not in a good headspace. She came here to see her daughter and you are the one person who has sort of been friendly to her. And now you, she thinks you hate her. She has, there's no possibility that Grace and Patrick are going to um, let her see DM. Maybe you should check on her. Right, um, right. So he's the one who's like, you know, she she's a person too. She she needs someone looking out for her. Right, right. Which I think I liked Roman for that. I mean, I thought that it was very he had kindness be- and he also didn't he also didn't have a like a stake in the game, right? He was an out of towner as well, so he maybe mm-hmm. felt that, you know, vibe of just not being from that place. Um but, you know, I think I feel like Ledger would have still found a way to be interactive with her because I felt like yeah, they both he had a connection. He couldn't stay away. No, he couldn't help himself. Yeah. Much, I mean, that was, I liked that, like, tension, though. I think I texted mm-hmm. you when I was reading it, and I was like, this tension is delicious because I love <laughs> that enemies to lovers yeah. trope. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why. I mean, it's not always that I love it, but in this case, I yeah. did. I was it, Sometimes fine with it this. works well. Yeah, I, I liked the tension, and it was like, you know, the the best friend and the boyfriend. And I don't know. I, I was, I was all in, yeah. but, um, well, and too, so, um, I think we want to talk a little bit about the fact that Grace and Patrick are afraid that, that, uh, Kenna might try to kidnap yeah. them. Right. So Ledger, even though he hasn't known Kenna very long, he, he can kind of tell that that's not, she's not interested in doing anything mm-hmm. of that nature. She yeah. wants, she wants to be a legitimate part of her daughter's life. Mm-hmm. She just wants to know her. Mm-hmm. And so Patrick and Grace have this knee jerk reaction and they decide to get a restraining order against Kenny. Yeah. And he tries to discourage them, but he also, he, he gets the sense like he hasn't told them that he's been having these interactions with her. And so he's afraid that if, they find out that he is becoming close to her, that they might cut him out of DM's life. So, so he tries to discourage them from getting this restraining order and he doesn't even think they'll be able to because what grounds is there, but they do end up getting it um, because the Grady, Grady, the police officer in Mm -hmm. town probably, you know, said something to the judge about, yeah, this woman is really a legitimate threat or something Mm -hmm. because they all know each other. Um, And so, I think it's after the restraining order is granted and um, he uh, he can sort of comforts her regarding that, that they that I think we really start to see a major shift in their relationship in terms of their closeness. And Mm -hmm. that's also when he finds out about the letters that she's been writing Scotty because he picks her up from work. He tells her manager she's not feeling well. She has to leave. Does she have anything I need to pick up? And when he gets her things out of her locker at work, he sees this um, stack of papers that says Dear Scotty on them. And he he does not read them. He respects her privacy, but he asks her about them. And she tells him she doesn't tell him the content, but she tells him, you know, I write letters to Scotty. I've written over 300 letters to him. Yeah. About everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he at that point is, you know, trying to understand her a little better, at least. And he Mm -hmm. ends up, you know, he gives her the job. 
which yeah, Roman's right. like, who did you really do that for? Which I agreed with that because it seemed yeah. like he had some money and he could have probably just paid her off. And that's exactly what Roman yeah. said. He's like, because he says, well, I'm giving her this job because she's not making enough at the grocery store and she needs to make enough money so she can move out of town and leave DM and Grace and Patrick alone. And Roman's like, you have plenty of money. If the reason you wanted her out of here was because if, if the reason she couldn't leave was because she didn't have money, you could just give her some money. Yeah. So that's not why. Roman was like the the <laughs> voice of reason throughout yeah. the entire book. And, you know, it, as she's working there, I thought what was interesting as well is that she seems to assimilate to her environment very quickly. Like she mm-hmm. it's like Ledger drops her off, you know, for her first day. He ends up going to DM's recital. And mm-hmm. when he gets back, it's like she has all this rapport already built up with all of her coworkers yeah. that have just met her. Yeah. And she's totally reorganized the yeah, kitchen yeah, and she's cleaned like, it up. She's and, doing her thing. Yep. Um, and we end up finding out that Ledger was engaged. He was to be married around that time. He ends up breaking it off with Leah because Leah's, you know, basically makes a comment like when we have our own real children, DM's not going to be a part of our lives the yeah. same way. And Something like you'll love our kids more than you yeah. love DM. and. He was like, no, like I, you know, she's she's basically my adopted child. He felt like Leah wasn't going to be good for DM. And so that was his first priority. Yeah, which is I think that was nice. Mm -hmm. I thought it was, um, you know, he seemed like he was really in tune with her. And he, he ends up making a comment like later on, which I liked the sentiment behind it, but kind of came off a little bit cheesy in that he's like, oh, I, you know, I'm reading a lot of books. I want to be a good role model for DM. So I've learned to like not. Um, give her compliments on her looks, but rather on her mind, which I love that sentiment. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, it read a little bit like I I've definitely felt like Ledger's character was written in the female gaze. Oh, for to sure. To a point where him saying that, if it, it, it just, it's not that it felt disingenuous because yeah. I think it was true to his character, but I just couldn't imagine. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what uh, yeah, I'm trying to say here. Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I felt like it maybe was a little inauthentic. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But I I feel like it could, that would be, or could be a very like, yes. true, you know, I can understand that. I just felt like. I think maybe, maybe what you're trying to say, which is, I think how I feel is that. I I don't necessarily think the sentiment was out of con out of character for him, mm-hmm. but I think for him to actually like verbalize it didn't like it, it seemed like maybe something he would believe, but maybe not say. Yeah, like I don't think that everything needs to be said like that. Right. Like I almost felt like that it would have been, been a, a thought instead of a yeah. It could have been a thought, like or it could have been a situation where um, Colleen showed us mm-hmm. rather than tell us. Right. So I feel like it would have meant a little bit more if we knew that about him, but it didn't need to be said. Yeah. You know what I mean? I or agree. like it maybe if something if um perhaps, you know, she's at his uh Ken is at his house and she sees those books. Mm-hmm. She flips through one, she notices what the context is about, and she has that thought to herself, like, oh, if this is you know, what he's doing on his own time, like I can imagine that he is a good role model to right. him, even more so than I thought already. So yeah. I as I was reading it, I did feel like there were a couple of parts that were more, you know, showed versus or excuse me, tell Tell, don't tell me, show me. Right. That's like a big thing that I that I hear about in the community. But I mean, I think, you know, as most love stories go, we end up getting to like the the main crux of the story is that Kenna is not wh- who everyone thought. She, right. She did not leave Scotty in cold blooded, 
you know, it wasn't murder, but like involuntary manslaughter. Right. She, she was in him. shock. She and was so, in total shock. And and so what they had said at the trial was that she went home and went to bed. But what we find out in the letter that she does eventually read to Ledger is that she thinks that she, she blacked out. So she the last thing she remembers is being on the highway. And then she wakes up to the police banging on her bedroom door and she's laying on the floor. She's not in bed. Mm -hmm. And there's a small puddle of blood next to her head. So what she thinks is that she sort of disassociated, Mm. blacked out, somehow got home, but can't remember how and then passed out on her floor and hit her head, you know, minor injury, but still. Um, So it's not like she was like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm just going to go home and go to bed and pretend nothing happened. And that but that's how it was painted at the trial. Um, and so, you know, if it's not already obvious either, you know, at this point, her relationship with Ledger, they have very quickly become, you know, I don't know if, could, would you call this a trauma bond? I mean, it's not trauma, but they are bonding over tra- shared trauma. And yeah. so they've gotten very close very quickly. It's only been a few weeks and they are basically in love and physically, you know, together, sleeping together. Um, I don't think it was a trauma bond. I think it was like a pretty, you know, because I think that's such a good question. I didn't read it as a trauma bond. Personally, I can see how you would. I feel like I thought it was more or less like a forbidden romance or like a forbidden mm -hmm. fruit type of situation. Like I think that they had the physical attraction right right from the get-go and then – I don't know, like the sneaking around. I think like psychologically that does something. The, the mm-hmm. more you know you can't have something, you want it you more. You want it more. So I felt it was more of like a forbidden romance because, you know, he's willing. I mean, he's putting his relationship with Patrick and Grace at stake by doing this. And right. he is ultimately caught in the yeah. act, so to speak. Yeah. He his parents walk in on them, but they but they don't tell Patrick. He's caught he he's hoping to tell them ahead of time, yeah, right? But yeah. he, but it doesn't work out that way because Patrick sees his truck at Kenna's apartment early yeah, one morning. Yeah. So, so and then he so it all goes, you know, it hits the fan. It hits the fan, yeah. Which I feel like that's usually how those things go. If you're mm-hmm. hiding something, it's going to come to light in one way or another. But I definitely felt bad for that because he did have the intention. Like at that point, he also had kind of like. He was all in with Kenna at that point, too. Right. But then he has to, you know, he ends up having this, like, horrible interaction with Grace and Patrick. Like, they're devastated. They can't even believe that he's, you know, with this monster. And, um, you know, I thought that that was pretty – I thought that was realistic, how I, Patrick punches him. Yes. Like, I thought that was all extremely realistic. I thought it was realistic that Ledger would then choose DM. So, like, he basically goes, he – you know, he says goodbye to Kenna, basically. Says goodbye. Um, I, well, I mean, it, it, but I think it's interesting, too. So Grace and Patrick obviously gave him this ultimatum and said, you know, you you have to pick between us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just devastated and kind of disgusted that he's been going behind their backs, that he's having a physical relationship mm-hmm. with her. At this point, I don't think that he has admitted to even himself that he's in love with her. But they don't ask him that. I don't know no. that they even think about that. Yeah. So when he goes back to Kenna, um, she's the one who is like, you know, you, you obviously I need you in DM's life. So you have to pick her. I'm going to have to leave. This is just how it has to be. And he sort of half heartedly says, you know, we, we have to fight for this. We you can't just give up. And she says they're not going to change their minds. And I cannot take I cannot take you from her. You know, I need you to stay with her. So this is how it's going to be. Um, so 
yes, I don't think that realistically, I don't think Ledger would have chosen Kenna over DM, but she also was like, I, I will not let you choose me yeah, over yeah, her. Yeah, they both definitely had her best interests in mind, you know, but I also felt like so, I mean, we get to the pretty much the main climactic point. And from the, the, the book ends fairly quickly. Like, I felt like we didn't spend as much time there as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. I felt like we missed – there was an opportunity for, like, some more tension and, like, building before the resolution. Um, Like, I felt like that all happened so fast. Like, basically, you know, they have this, like, you know, understanding that he's going to go be in DM's life. They cannot continue. He steals some letters. Just from- the just the one. Just oh, the, just the one. Just the one okay. that she had read to him. Read to him earlier yeah. on. He – gives it to Patrick and Grace. They have the ability to read it. And then pretty much it was all like tied up with a bow from that point on. Like, I know that we have this resolution. She ends up meeting DM, but I felt like that wasn't as impactful for me for some reason, because I feel like I needed more time to sit in the tension of Kenna losing that opportunity for good. Like I never felt like I had enough of that. It felt a little too easy. Like, I mean, I'm glad that Grace forgave her And I'm glad that they were able to resolve their issues. But her forgiveness, and maybe it was just because it had been five years and she wanted to forgive her, but felt like she couldn't because she didn't have closure. She didn't have closure. She didn't have any evidence to suggest that Kenna was worthy of forgiveness. Yeah, remorseful. And and maybe that letter was all she needed. Mm -hmm. But it did feel very quick. Yeah. Um, uh, However, I will say, you know, when, when Kenna goes over there for dinner to meet DM, Patrick is still a little standoffish and he does later tell Ledger, you know, I I wasn't really all on board with this, but I did it because Grace wanted to. But now when I see her with DM and when I see you with her, I, I, I feel better about this. Yeah, I'm all in. Well, or at least all in as he can be. Right. You know, we see the there was like this little like inside joke about the pigeons and they see a pigeon in the backyard that, you know, I think birds do really have like that connection with like a loved mm. a loved one that's been lost like i think of um we have a lot, a lot of cardinals in our backyard and we've had a few people that we've lost over the years and for some reason i see the cardinal and i immediately think of that person <laughs> like i know it's just a coincidence yeah. but i think that there is a sense of comfort yeah so i, I thought that, that was cute symbolic yeah very symbolic but um yeah at that point i feel like you know we we get the resolution right we get a little bit of an epilogue which comes in the form of like that I don't want to say last letter to Scotty, but I would say probably the one where few and far between at yeah, this point. Yeah. She mentions, you know, I don't write you as often as I used to. And I will say I felt like the epilogue. Um, I, I liked the realism of it. So DM, it's been two years and DM still lives with Grace and Patrick. Yeah, She and uh, Ledger, Ledger all along, we didn't talk about this. He had been building a house on a piece of land that was about 20 minutes out away yeah. from Grace and Patrick. And it's Kenna who brings it up because she says, you know, won't it be hard for you not to live yeah. near DM? And DM has talked about how she doesn't want Patrick to leave. And um, Kenna says, well, just sell this house yeah. and, and live in the old one. And he says, oh, that's crazy. I can't do that. Why would I do that? But then ultimately, that's what he decides yeah. to do. So they they are together still. They live yeah. across the street from DM. But she still lives with Grace and Patrick. Because I like that. That, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And she does stay with them like sleepovers a couple yeah. nights a week, but that's their that's her home base. Yeah. Um. So I felt like that was very appropriate. And then uh, we find out that she and Ledger have just had a baby together and they've named him Scotty. Scotty Jr. Well, I don't know <laughs> if it would technically be a junior, but yeah. you know what I, yeah. what I mean. So final thoughts on this one. 
All right. So I liked this book. I really liked it. I did give it a four was my rating. And I felt like it was a good story told in a very simple way. And I, I think that agree. 100%. I think, I think that we need books like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be a literary masterpiece. Right. I don't feel like I always want a book where I have to spend a lot of time really deeply thinking about what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's almost like a palate cleanser. It's like reading a light, fluffy book. Not, not to say that there isn't any, you know, true themes or things to or, rum- or ruminate hard things, on. Yeah. yeah, but I just feel like it was a really good, interesting story told in a very simple and easy to digest way. And for yeah. me, that was exactly what I needed out of this book. I didn't need anything more than that. Um, although I did shed a couple of tears, I did not give it a five. I did not fully commit to crying during this book. And <laughs> I felt that this would be an exception to my if I shed a tear rule because I just didn't think it it warranted a five. But I mm-hmm. did give it a four because I did enjoy it immensely. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think? Same here. So I gave it a four. I think I told you initially I was like, mm, maybe it's a three and a half and I round it up to a four. But I think it's a good solid four. Mm. Um, I I felt like the story was good. Um, I one one thing that I can say is I wanted to keep reading. Mm. You know, it was an easy read. It was a quick read. But I definitely I didn't struggle to get through it. I mm-hmm. wanted to keep reading. I wanted to know what was going to happen. So it kept my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I felt like it, like you said, you know, it doesn't have to be a literary masterpiece. It doesn't have to be Dickens or Hemingway or Steinbeck, you know, who are when I think about, you know, like the masters. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, and sometimes those works of, um, you know, fiction that are the masterpiece, they can be really heavy and hard to read. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to read that stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a place for this type of fiction. And, and I liked it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like, I, you know, I've been in a historical fiction kind of slump lately, where that's not a slump. That's just where I've been spending a lot yeah. of my time when I'm reading Maybe a rut. Yeah, in a rut. And I just feel like sometimes those heavy historical fiction books you have to really think about what you're mm-hmm. reading and sometimes i just want to consume right in a very you know just easy breezy beautiful cover girl i just want to get through <laughs> it i want to have a good time i right. want to have no strings attached but what i thought differentiated this book and put it in a four for me is that i will remember it mm. i will remember the characters i'll remember them the plot i will remember this book right. it will i will have reminders of him so to speak <laughs> nice <laughs> and i felt like a lot of our, our not our specific readers but a lot of readers felt the same and i think mm-hmm. goodreads what, what did yeah. you say that was so goodreads as of today um which is what june 13th mm. 2023 mm-hmm. is 4.44 and that's over 900,000 reviews so this this book is is well read yeah he's uh, you know what fair enough i i think that oh that's no sorry sorry oh yes that's correct that's the ratings the reviews there are almost seventy thousand people who actually typed out their reviews oh, okay so there's about <laughs> so, like a million ratings almost a million ratings and then um about yeah sixty eight thousand ish reviews where yeah. people actually typed up yeah i read those do you, yeah do you go i, back I and do read those? too i aspire to um write my own reviews but i rarely do because i just don't take the time and i yeah. wish i did but yeah i do read them interesting i did it on one book if anyone goes on my goodreads you'll see that i was not happy with this book because <laughs> i felt like there was not enough trigger warnings and so mm. i went back and wrote a review kind of like if you would review a restaurant that gave you a really really undercooked cold burger or something and i never do that i'm not like a big 
mm-hmm. you know, type out my complaints. But I was like, gosh, this book was a little much. And I won't tell anyone what it is. You can go look for yourselves. But right. I thought 4.44 was fair enough. And yeah. I would stand by our rating. Um, but yeah, this was a fun read. It was a quite different experience than Verity. And I'm glad I read this book because I will read it. I would read another Coho book for mm-hmm. sure. Um, Verity left me with like a, yeah. I don't know if they're all like this. I'm, it, it's just not my jam. Yeah. I know, I know there are a lot of people who really like that book. Yeah. Um, I would just say it's, I would not have that be your first Colleen Hoover book yeah. because it, if it, that's not your genre, you might be turned off to her where and there are other things that you might like better. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even think reminders of him is considered her best work either. Mm-mm. I think that there's like a few others that circulate that are like, read this one. It's not the more it's not the more book talk popular one, but it is like the best mm-hmm. written. And I think um, I'm glad that she has such a wide range. That is nice um, yeah. to know that she has different things that she can write about. But yeah, I'm glad that we did reminders of him. And I'm even more excited mm-hmm. about our next read. And I, you know, I will be honest, I purchased the book, but I have not opened it. Right. Because I didn't want to. Did you find a physical copy or you purchased it on your Kindle? <sighs> I had to purchase it on my Kindle. Because That's the thing, I guys. Not... This book. You might already know what we're talking about because you cannot find it anywhere. You can't find it at the library. You can't find it at Barnes and Noble. You can't find it on Amazon unless you buy it on your Kindle. It's sold out everywhere. Yes. And that is The Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Yeah. This book came in. It conquered and it's disappeared from from every bookshelf mm-hmm. at every store near you. I, I, I keep seeing people in some of the groups that are like finding it like tucked under you know, dusty other books at like Costco and Walmart. <laughs> and I'm like, do I get in my car and drive around till I find this book? But the thing is, is that we did that already. Danny and I spent a Saturday and we we hit up probably like four different locations looking for mm-hmm. it. And uh, the nearest Costco is over an hour away from me. And I just, I can't commit is to it, making that drive. Is it that Nashua. Far? I didn't realize yeah. that was that far from well, yeah, you. That's where we go. Yeah, but yeah Nashua. We, okay. It's it's far. That makes I mean, sense. It doesn't feel far because it's a nice ride, but time-wise, it's about an hour. Okay. And I'm like, I don't want to make that commitment to get there. And of course, it's because this book, the first edition limited release, has these beautiful sprayed edges with these Ooh, dragons. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's pretty much I think and you can find it on like I, I was looking on like Pango and it's like a hundred bucks for the limited what? edition. And I'm like, no, I'm good with that. But um so yeah, very excited about this book. I'm sure many of you have heard of this book, maybe have read it, maybe have it on your TBR list. Um, uh, but I'm hearing that it's being kind of um it's dragons, it's a school, it's fantasy, it's fantasy, it's her debut into fantasy i think she's typically in the romance genre okay so this is not her first book i thought it was her first book but the more that i was looking into it it seems that she's it's her first book in a new genre so she's never written fantasy she's been spending her time in romance and uh, i thought it was her debut novel but she might have been self-published and maybe it's her first Okay. Uh, you know, I'm going to, well, I'll be interested to find out as we do our deep dive mm-hmm. uh, on our next episode. But yeah, she, she, I don't think was expecting this book to take off the way that it has. Yeah, and I think they would have more copies available yeah. if they did. But and I'm really excited because, you know, we've talked to a few people who have read it and we've done a little bit of research and it seems like it's really living up to the hype. Because yeah. sometimes, especially with book talk now, 
you never know if it's just if it's just hype. Yeah. But yeah. it's it seems like it's going to be a good one. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. It's a as of today, June 13th. Again, and we'll come back to this in a couple of weeks. It's a 4.7 on Goodreads, Ooh. which is one of the highest books I've ever seen. Yeah. So I'm, we are very excited. I did have to, I'm going to have to read it on my Kindle, but that, you know, it won't ruin the experience. I love my Kindle. Um, and yeah, so we'll, that's what we're going to be reading next. And we really hope some of our, our readers will, will read along with us. And I'm sure that a lot of you have already read this book because it's just that yeah. popular. Join us next time when we discuss Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Bibliophiles at Home. Send us recommendations for books you'd like to hear us review at bibliophilesathome at gmail.com. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Camilla. Until next time. Happy reading. Send us recommendations for books you'd like to hear us review at bibliophilesathome at gmail.com. We've done the whole podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, let's try again.